Good morning, Life Church X Online. So glad that you could tune in with us today. Let me just say this. Uh, if you are joining us for the very first time, maybe you've never caught one of our online services before or you've never visited one of our campuses, I just want to greet you. I want to welcome you. And I want to encourage you that I believe with all my heart that it is no accident that you're sitting in the chair that you're in right now and that you're watching today. Maybe somebody tagged you in a Facebook post or invited you online. You just kind of found your way here. But I want to assure you that God is not a God of accidents or random. He is a God of divine design. One of the things that you'll never hear the Lord say in the Bible is, wow, I'm surprised that you showed up today. You see, nothing ever catches God off guard. And he's always drawing us and pulling us towards himself so that we can come into a relationship with him. So I just want to encourage you, if that's you and you're tuning in for the first time, open up your heart and just be willing to let God do whatever he wants to do today. If you'll yield your will to his, then God will meet you right where you are and do something absolutely amazing in your life in these moments ahead. So again, welcome and Thank you for joining us this morning. I'm excited to get into the Word today. If you have your Bibles with you, please turn them to the Gospel of John chapter 12. John chapter 12. We're going to read a few verses of a very famous scene that takes place just a week before, roughly a week before, the crucifixion of Jesus. We know that today uh, is popularly called Palm Sunday. We're going to talk about why that is here in just a minute. But this is the day that Jesus comes into Jerusalem, into the city, about a week before he goes to the cross, which next Sunday, of course, hopefully you'll be joining us for our online Easter service. So let's take a look in the Gospel of John chapter 12, beginning in verse 12. It says, The next day... A great multitude that had come to the feast when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him. And then they cried out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. And then Jesus, when he found a young donkey, sat on it, as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming sitting on a donkey's colt. So let's just pause right there and pray. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name for what you're about to do in the moments ahead. I pray that you would open the ears of everyone who's listening to truly hear what you want to say. Open our spiritual eyes and ears, God, that we may be in tune to your message this morning. And I pray that you would just speak through me Use me as your vessel and your instrument to accomplish your will here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, as I mentioned just a moment ago, this is a famous scene that is considered the triumphal entry, uh, also known as Palm Sunday. This is Jesus. He's coming into the city of Jerusalem. Uh, it will be a matter of days before he goes to the cross and suffers the crucifixion. So we look at some of the details in these few verses and ask ourselves, okay, why do we call this Palm Sunday? Well, if you notice, first of all, that the people, as Jesus is riding in on the donkey, the people are laying palm branches on the road. 
This was something that was done typically when a king or a military uh, campaign would come back into the city after achieving a victory. This was a sign of celebration, of a victory that had been achieved. I hope you understand that this is a very prophetic picture because the people are prophetically demonstrating that Jesus is about ready to achieve the greatest victory in the history of the world through defeating death on the cross. It also says that they're laying their clothes out on the road as well as Jesus is riding down. I've been to Israel, and it's just this very powerful setting that you can picture of Jesus coming down off the Mount of Olives on this windy road coming down through the Kidron Valley and then back up the eastern side of the hill into the city of Jerusalem. And all along the way, they're laying clothes out and they're yelling, Hosanna in the highest, which demonstrates a uh, something of royalty. It's a picture that we see that's basically declaring that Jesus is the king. We know that he had described himself as the king of the Jews in other cases as well. And so they're indicating that Jesus is their king. And when they're saying Hosanna in the highest, that word in the Hebrew means save us or our savior. Save us. So they're just, they're showering Jesus with this praise right now. But here's what I want to draw your attention to is that just a number of days after this, many people in this same crowd are not going to be yelling, Hosanna in the highest. They're going to be yelling, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Why is that? Why did they turn the tables so quickly? Why did they turn the page? You see, what happened is that as Jesus was coming in on Palm Sunday, they had an expectation of what he was going to do for them. They saw him as a king that would achieve some kind of military victory. They expected him to overthrow the Roman Empire and the government of the land so that they could be out from under that oppression. And so when Jesus didn't meet their expectations when he didn't do for them what they wanted him to do for them, they turned the page, and now they're yelling, crucify him. I know this is a horrible picture that we think of, but I wonder sometimes in our own lives, if we get an expectation, if we get a picture of what we think Jesus needs to do for us, and we, we expect that, and when it doesn't happen that way, then we grow bitter, we grow angry, or we maybe turn the cold shoulder away from God and feel like He's let us down. This is what I want to encourage you with this morning, is that God is always up to more than we can see. You see, there's more happening in this story, we know that now, but there's more taking place that God is up to, that Jesus is about to do, than the people can possibly imagine or think of. And get this, what Jesus is up to is infinitely greater than what the people would like for him to do for them. You see, God is always up to so much more in our lives than we will ever even know or imagine. And so I want to encourage you in this time that we're in right now of crisis amid the coronavirus pandemic, that even though there is a lot happening in our world, trust me, according to the word of God, 
and his consistency. He is the God that never changes. He is up to so much more right now than we can possibly see. Some people are looking around and they're seeing all kinds of challenges, problems, things that are causing them to have fear and panic. Other people are looking around and they're recognizing there are opportunities in front of them to be seized in these moments they might not otherwise have, and they're taking advantage of that. But I I just want to say this, that none of us can see everything that's going on. It's impossible for us to see all that God sees, but we can still trust him in these types of moments that he's doing more than we could possibly know. So the title of today's message is Above and Beyond. Above and Beyond. We serve a God who's always up to above and beyond what we could see or what we could know. I'm going to give you three points today as we move through our message. The first point, if you're taking notes, is that we need to dream big. Dream big. You say, Pastor, are you really saying that right now amid a crisis, a pandemic? You want me to dream big right now of all times? Many people are afraid to dream big because they're afraid that it won't happen or it won't be fulfilled. And I just want to say to you today, I hope you're listening. Yes, I believe God wants you to dream as big as you possibly can, even in a moment of crisis. Everything you see in the Bible about God is that he takes completely unorthodox, unforeseen situations that seem so dire and grim, and that's when he shows up and does the most. You remember the story of Gideon? He stripped Gideon's army down again and again and again until it was just an army of 300. He wanted it to be so clear that it was God that achieved the victory that there was such contrast in the moments they were in and what God did in that situation. Yes, I think God wants you to dream big, especially right now, if ever before. We serve a God who is a supernatural God. Listen, God has created us to be dreamers. He's created that, us that way. Don't let the world squash that out of you. Don't let a crisis take something from you that God created you to function in. He wants us to dream with Him. He wants us to have these deep passions and desires that He put in us to begin with for us to pray for them, contend for them, and believe for them to come to pass no matter what kind of situation we're facing and how grim it might look. Listen to this in Psalms chapter 37, verse 4. Many of you know this verse. It says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He shall give you the desires of your heart. This term, desires of the heart, we see many places in Scripture, and it speaks to a deep-rooted dream. It speaks to a, a real burden and a real passion that you're longing for that you can't even explain why it stirs you up and gets you going the way that it does. But I just want to tell you that in those cases, in many of those situations, it's because God has put that dream in you. 
God has made that a desire of your heart. And if you'll notice in these verses, it says, he will give you the desire of your heart. You see, we put our faith in a holy God to bring that desire to pass, not in ourselves. He's the one that brings that to pass. And he's the one who's putting desires in the hearts of men and women still today like he's always been doing. What are those desires that you have? Maybe you have a dream. Maybe you have a passion, something that you've sort of put on the shelf for years that needs to be brought back out. We'd love to hear about it. Maybe comment in the section below or let us know what it is that we can be praying for you about, a passion, a desire, a dream that you believe God has put in you. We'd love to stand with you in prayer and agree with you in that and help you in any way we can to move forward in that journey. But, you know, not all desires are from the Lord. It's something we have to make sure we know. The Bible speaks about in the book of Galatians that there are desires of the flesh, that there are things that are maybe desires or temptations that kind of pull at us that are not from God. We, we need to recognize the difference between the two. Not all dreams come from the Lord. I remember one time when Katie and I had just been married a couple of years, uh, I had a dream one night. I was deep asleep, and I was in this dream, and in the dream... I got into a fight. This guy was attacking me. And as he was attacking me, I knew that I had to fight back. I had no other choice. And so I just came at him and gave it everything I had. And I grabbed the guy and I threw him down and I got on top of him. And in the dream, I knew I had to, I had to finish this guy off or he was going to keep coming at me. And so I grabbed him by the face and I took my thumbs and I was getting ready to stick my thumbs down into his eye sockets and just pin him. You say, man, that's pretty intense. Pastor Matt's going Conor McGregor on us here. Listen, I was in a dream, right? I knew I had to do something. But just as I'm getting ready to shove my thumbs down into this guy's eyeballs in the dream that's attacking me, I wake up. And when I wake up, I'm looking down, and I've got Katie by the head, and I'm getting ready to stick my thumbs in her eyes, and she's screaming and yelling with terror and looking at me. And I was like, oh, my gosh. It just shocked me right out of the moment. So what's the point of that? The point is not every dream comes from God and not every dream will produce something fruitful in your life. You need to discern and know the difference between the desires of your heart that God is putting in there and the things that are maybe temptations of the flesh. You say, well, how do I know that, Pastor? How do I know the difference? To me, the key is right here in these verses of Psalms 37, 4. It says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. You see, one of the amazing discoveries that you'll find as you walk closely with God is the more you delight in him, the more you spend time with him and just soaking in his presence, the more his desires for you become your desires. That's how you know when it's from the Lord is there's such closeness and there's such intimacy that it's God's desires for you that are stirring up and becoming the desires of your heart. And when your will aligns with his will, faith activates God in that situation for you and then he begins to bring those desires to pass. Praise God. I hope you're hearing that message today. 
For some of you, there's desires, there are dreams that God is going to be stirring up, bringing back to the surface here in your life right now in these moments ahead. And no crisis and no pandemic can keep those things from coming to pass. I just want to assure you of that. So my question is, are you delighting yourself in the Lord right now, even in the midst of what's going on around us? Are you still delighting in him every single day? Because the psalmist tells us that in his presence is fullness of joy. And if we will spend time with him and get close to him, there's a joy that will be produced in our life that no crisis could ever threaten to take from us. I pray that you know that joy and that you walk in that joy right now. Point number two, don't limit God. Do not limit God. You see, we as people see with limited eyes. We see with a limited perspective always. The Apostle Paul tells us that looking at this, through this world and seeing things, even those of us who are as close to God as we can possibly get right now in our lives, that even in those situations, we see like we're looking through a glass dimly. It's always a little hazy. What does that mean? It means we see glimpses and pieces and pictures of maybe what God is up to or what he's doing, but we never see the whole picture. We see from a limited perspective, but God sees from a limitless perspective. That's why we can never limit, no matter what's going on in a situation, what it is that we are believing for, God can do and wants to do in our lives. Listen to this in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20. It says that we serve a God who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than we can think or ask. I, this is one of my favorite verses in all of the Bible because you know what this says? It says that as much as I can dream, as big as I can think, as many things as I know to ask God for, and I need to ask God for things. He tells us to petition him with requests. We know that. But as big as I can think, pray for, or ask, I still will never have the capacity to see and think as big as what God sees and thinks for me in my life. I may not see the whole picture, but get this. I can still have faith for a bigger picture than what I can see that God is up to way more in every scenario of my life than I can possibly get a picture of. That builds my faith today. I don't know about you. It helps me see that I can have faith for a God who is above and beyond all that I can know to think or ask for. I love that about the Lord. In fact, many times I even pray that God, I say, Lord, here's what I'm praying for, it's what I'm asking you for, but Lord, please help me, God. I I'm praying for the things that I don't even have the capacity to pray for. I'm praying for those things that are beyond my ability to even see right now, God, because I know and trust and believe you that you are outside of anything that I can picture in my own mind. I love that, and I hope that you never limit God and what he can do in any situation in your life, no matter, how, no matter how much the odds may look like they're stacked against you. So number two is don't 
limit God. Number three is keep the faith. Keep the faith. You're going to be required, if you haven't figured this out yet, to continue to walk in faith from season to season to season in your life. And that exceedingly great and abundant God, all those things he wants to do in your life, those things are going to come to you only if you walk in a place of faith in your life. It's going to require you to fight for it in that fight of faith and keep your faith active and alive. Sometimes it's in those hardest moments that our faith is challenged the most. But in history, if we look back in many instances, some of the greatest discoveries, inventions, or happenings occurred or were birthed in moments of great adversity. Could it be said in the months or short years ahead that some of the greatest occurrences in the body of Christ and in the church happened at a time that the world was calling it a crisis or a pandemic? I'm believing for that today. I hope you are too. But I want you to keep the faith now and through every future season ahead in your life. There's a story in the book of Genesis about a couple named Isaac and Rebecca. And they had to fight a fight of faith in order to see the desire of their heart, the dream God put in them, come to pass. You see, whenever Isaac and Rebecca were married, it says in the Bible, Genesis 25, that Isaac was 40 years old. But it also says that Rebecca was barren. She couldn't have kids. And Isaac went and sought the Lord and he prayed for the Lord to the Lord and petitioned him and asked God to bring them a child. And it was at the age of 60 years old, 20 years, think about that, of barrenness before Rebecca finally conceived. And God brought them a son. And we actually know that he brought them more than one son. He brought them two. But listen to this. This is where this story comes alive, keeping the faith. You see, it, Rebecca, at a point in this pregnancy, she became very concerned. She felt like something was wrong. Something wasn't quite right. She wasn't feeling like things were normal there in there. And so in chapter 25, verse 22, listen, it says that the children struggled within her and she said, if all is well, why am I like this? So she went to inquire of the Lord. I love this. Look, we are all people and we're real and there's gonna be moments where it gets hard and it gets tough and we're gonna wonder what's going on we need to do what Rebecca did. We go and inquire of the Lord first. We seek him. It's like the prophet Ezekiel said, Lord, only you know really what's going on. She goes and she seeks God and she says, why am I like this? Something's not quite right. And his answer to this question proves the point of my message today. That God is always up to more exceedingly and abundantly more than we can think of or ask for or know. He's always up to more than we can see. Verse 23, this is the Lord's response to Rebekah. The Lord said to her, two 
nations are in your womb. Two peoples shall be separated from your body. Do you notice this? Listen, God doesn't say, oh, it's, everything's okay, there's not a problem. He doesn't even say, don't worry, the baby is okay. At this point, she just thinks that she has one child. God's granted their prayer request and given them a child, and she's pregnant, and she's waiting for the child to be birthed. Now she's concerned something's happening that's wrong, and God doesn't even say that the baby is okay. God's response to Rebecca is, there are two nations in your womb. There were twins. She had no idea. You see that what was going on in her, please get this today, the disruption, the uncertainty, the unsettledness, what was going on inside of her had nothing to do with a problem or a distressed situation. It was because what God was up to and doing was bigger than she ever had any idea what was going on inside there. Maybe God's up to something right now so big in your life. Maybe a desire is, is brewing and building right now so much that it feels like something is wrong or distressed, but really it's because the desire God's put in your heart is so big and it's so outside, above and beyond what you're even thinking about right now that it's producing this eruption inside of you. Hallelujah. I'm believing for that today, that desires in your heart are building and growing your faith is being encouraged in that today. You see, God spoke to the fullness of the dream. He spoke to the fullness of the desire that he had put in her heart because he was the author of that. God knew the desire and the fullness of the desire before it was ever even conceived in Isaac and Rebecca. Wow, that's powerful to think about. You see, you go all the way back to Genesis 17, and God made a covenant with Abraham, and he promised him, he says, you will be the father of many nations. Nations will come from you. Kings will come from you. These two nations that are growing in her womb are a continue, continuation and a fulfillment of what that promise that God made to Abraham was. God knew the desire in their heart before it was ever even conceived in them. You see, God knows the outcome of your situation. And I can tell you this, that the plans he has for you are good. They're the plans of a future and a hope, not of evil and not of defeat. I'm praying that you're believing for that today, that you're trusting a God who's doing above and beyond anything you can think or see. I'll close with this. I have a friend who is from Israel. We met him whenever we toured there a few years ago, and he came and visited with us in the States uh, not long after we were with him. And I'll never forget this. We were coming back to our house one day. He was staying with us. And as we were pulling up, you know, in Israel, they love fruit and crops and agriculture. I mean, fertile land is considered a blessing from God. And as we're pulling up through Illinois farm country, all these crops are starting to grow and flourish. And we're pulling in our driveway, and he stops me as I'm driving down, and he says, Matt, look around you. Look at all of this fertile land. 
He said, I hope that you get down on your knees every day and you thank God for what you have. It pierced my heart. It wasn't many days after that I was praying and thinking about what he had said and I heard the Lord say to me, do you remember when you prayed for what you have right now? Do you remember when you were asking me and believing for what you already have right now? And I just want to ask you to consider, look around you right now. Look at your family in the room with you. Look at your kids. Look at your grandkids, wherever you're at. Look around you. Look at your home. Look at the blessings. Do you remember when you prayed and trusted God for the things that you have right now? And there they are before you. That should build your faith in the future of what God is still going to do. Trust me when I tell you, it truly is above and beyond all you can think or ask for. Father, we just thank you today in Jesus' name for each and every person that's listening. I pray that you would draw their hearts to you now, God. Speak to them. Help them to see that you have a great plan for their life. Any who are listening today who don't know you, God, I pray that you would tug at their heart in a way where they would open themselves up to you and receive you, Jesus, as their Lord and Savior right now, that you would come in, dwell with them, and help them to become the person that you've created them to be. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, and I hope you have an awesome day. Thanks, bro. Thank you.